the, the Old Testament, the Bible itself, has some tremendous Bible stories, Bible characters, great examples. Uh, some not so good, some not, uh, you know, some better than others, but they still, the lessons they teach us are incredible. Um, men like uh, Shemua and men like um, Gadi and Sethur, great examples, right? Huh? You know, you, you're saying who? Um, you know these guys. Now, I know you know Abraham, Moses, and all those fellows, but you, you know these guys too. Well, I don't think so. I mean, I never heard of Shamua. I thought that was a whale, you know, and that, that, that's kind of, that's a strange name. I, I don't remember reading him in the Bible. But now, what if I told you that these are three of the twelve spies that went into Canaan to spy out the land? Ah, I know that story. Yeah, those, yeah, the ten faithless spies, and, and there were seven more that I could have read, but their names were a little harder to pronounce, so I just chose the ones that I could, could work through. But th- there are nameless men, well, they're not nameless, but they are to us. If I asked you, who were the two faithful spies who went into the promised land and spied out the land and came back with a good report? Not many people would have a problem saying, oh, I know, I know, that was who? Caleb and Joshua. Yeah, we know that. But who were the ten unfaithful spies? Are their names given? Yeah, they are. Open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. And we can read all ten of the names of these men who came back saying, we can't do it. But none of us remember those men today because they were such, well, uh, they, they were so faithless. And they have just been relegated to obscurity in, in um, history. But I want us to look at some lessons that we can learn from these men and maybe some of those same lessons apply to us as fathers, at least as warnings, serve to us as warnings. And the flip side will show us what I guess we need to be as well. Let's look at three points this morning and, and the lesson will be yours. First of all, um, here, here's one of the things that I, I learned from these ten faithless spies. Now, just to give you a little background, let me, I guess I should do that first. They, they had uh, been led out of the Egypt, out of bondage. They're now ready to go in and take possession of the promised land that God had promised to Abraham many years before. And so uh, Moses sends 12 spies to go into the promised land and to see if it wasn't so what God had said about the land. You remember he said it was a land that flows with milk and honey. It, it is a fruitful place. It is a place where, you know, the, and he described the grapes and uh, the different kind of vegetation there. And so these ten spies, or twelve spies, they go into the promised land, they see, and they come back, and you know what? They say, it's exactly like God said. Everything he said is true. God was absolutely telling us the truth. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. But ten of them said, and we can't have it. What do you mean we can't have it? Oh, there are giants in that land. There are walled cities, fortified cities in that land. We can't take it. 
The faithlessness of that statement is striking considering the fact that the God of heaven has just produced in front of them and they experienced the ten plagues. It's the same God who parted the Red Seas and had them walk across on dry land and then close up on the enemy. They're days away from those events. And they say, we can't do it. It's going to be too hard. What were they thinking? And it's the same God who said, you'll find it just like this. And they get there and they found it just like that. How can you, how can you not trust that God? They didn't. They came back with a bad report and said, we can't take it. Joshua and Caleb, they resisted. They said, no, 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 we can too take it. We can too. But the people followed those ten men. And they all said, and they rose up and they wanted to put uh, Moses to death. And the Lord intervened and spoke and said, listen, because of your faithlessness, you're going to pay a price. No one over the age of 20... That's who he was holding accountable in this action. No one over the age of 20 will ever enter that promised land, I guarantee you, except Joshua and Caleb, who came back with a good report. And he said, um, you're going to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. And I'll tell you why 40 years, because it was, I'm going to add a year to every day those spies were in the promised land. They were in the promised land for 40 days, so now they have to wander for 40 years in the wilderness, and they were going to drop off one by one, die off, walking around in circles for 40 years. And then God said, we'll try again. That's the story, and that's what the faithlessness of these spies cost the people. But here are some lessons that I can learn. Um, uh, First of all, I, I learned this from these 10 spies Leaders are not immune from faithlessness. Have you ever wondered who these guys were? Who were these 12 spies? Look at Numbers chapter 13, and look, the Bible tells us who they were. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. He didn't just pick some yahoos. He picked leaders of these tribes. He gathered the tribes together and said, let's pick who is it in this tribe that is a leader. I I want your best. He picked the best in Israel to go into the promised land. And the best failed. I think sometimes we overlook the fact that those ten faithless spies were good men. They were leaders among God's people. But they failed on this issue and in this incident. They were, um, they were faithless. And, you know, you can, if I make application today, do you think that we can suffer at the hands of leaders who are sometimes faithless? Do you think churches ever struggle and are stagnant because their leaders are faithless? 
Have you ever heard of churches that stall because they're afraid? We can't do that. We've never done that before. If we did that, what would other people say about us? Listen, the the question is, is it first, is it biblical? Second, is it expedient? And if we can answer yes to both of those, then the question is, why, why don't we do it? Fear will keep us back. Faithlessness will keep us from it. And churches will stagnate and, and die because they have good men, leaders among them, who are fearful and faithless. Did God not promise to be with us? Have you ever heard of churches that won't spend a dime? They won't spend any money. They've got, well, we're stewards, and so we have to be careful. And so they're, they've got a bank account of a million dollars, but they won't spend a dime to do this or that because they're afraid, well, we've got to take care of this money. The goal in Christianity, the goal of a church is not to have a big bank account. The goal of the church is to use that money that is given through that contribution to help the lost. Think of how many thousands, millions of dollars will be in bank accounts just sitting, waiting when the Lord comes again. I'm not talking about being irresponsible and short-sighted. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But do you think that there are churches out there that are more interested in padding that account and making sure they've got a lot stored up for a rainy day than in using it for the glory of God? I think that can happen. And I think sometimes it's due to faithlessness. Um, if we haven't ever done it before, I don't know if we should do that. We've never tried that here. Well, well, is that reason? Is that really good reason not to do it? There are a lot of things that we've never tried before that might just be the thing to move some folks to render obedience to the gospel of Christ. My point is, leaders sometimes can fail. And so that's a lesson for me. Uh, you know, don't put your faith in men. Put it in God. Men can fail. Men can make mistakes. God will never let you down. We have to see, oh, sure, there are people to look up to in life and there are people to emulate and model and and pick out and say, I want to be like him and I'm going to work at being like him. Uh, Our leaders are to be examples for us that we can follow them. But look through them, beyond them, and see Jesus and follow him. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. He said, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. We're to follow Paul as, in the same manner, that he was following Jesus. If Paul were to deviate from following Jesus, then we wouldn't follow Paul in that. But as he followed Christ, so we should follow him. Leaders are not immune to faithlessness. Um, These leaders made that mistake. They succumbed to um, a lack of faith. It happens. Here's the second thing that I learned from this story, and it's this, that mistakes often impact others. So what happened? These ten guys come back, give a bad report, so they pay a price? Well, yeah, they did. Um, And then everything's done. No, 
didn't work that way. They paid a price. They were killed in a plague that God sent. But not only did they pay a price, but so did two, three million more people. Because of their unfaithfulness, the whole nation had to wander in a wilderness for 40 years. You know, if, if God had not taken them in a plague and, and taken their lives, I wonder what Israel would have done to these men. Have you ever contemplated that? Who would have wanted to have lived by them or pitched their tent next to their tent? I wonder if the people, when they got frustrated about having to walk around in the wilderness for 40 years, I wonder how many times they would have heard in their life, it's all because of him. It's his fault. I wonder if they would have risen up in a vigilante type situation and taken care of those guys themselves. I don't know. But they sure did impact the lives of a lot of other people. Numbers 14, verses 22 through 23, as well as verse 34, tells us it's where God pronounces, you know, because of your faithfulness, you're going to perish. And everyone over the age of 20 will perish having not entered into the promised land. Um, Can leaders today affect others? Listen, can fathers affect the direction, the destiny of their children? Can their actions affect the way their children behave and grow up, the attitudes they have, the, the, uh, the faith that they possess? Can, can that be determined? Of course it can. For the good or the bad. So that's a second lesson I learned. Their mistake affected other people. And then here's the third point and the last point. We can wait too long to do the right thing. Don't stop with the story when the spies come back and say, we can't do it. And God says, okay, then you got to wander for 40 years. And then we get into the wandering. You've missed something really important. Because after he heard or after the people heard this pronouncement by God, you all are going to wander for 40 years. Everyone age of 20 and up, you're not going to see the promised land. None of you will enter into the promised land. We're going to wait. We're going to walk around here until every one of you dies off. And then I'll let your children go in. A new generation. That's not good news. And so they go back to their homes and they go back to their tents. And they did what we would have done. Um, I think we made a mistake. You know, we probably should have listened to Caleb and Joshua. Hey, first thing in the morning, we're going to go back to Moses and tell them we changed our minds. And they did. The people gathered together. Look at chapter 14 and verse 40. They rose early in the morning. In other words, this thing has been probably on their mind all night. Oh no, did you hear what is going to happen to us? We're going to wander. We're going to die here. We're never going to have a, a, that to see the land of promise. So they rise up early in the morning and they went to the top of the mountain saying, here we are and here we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised for we have sinned. Hey, you know, yesterday we're sorry about that. That was a mistake on our part. We sinned. But here we are today. Let's go. Uh, just tell us. Point us in the direction. We're, we're going to do it. We've got, we believe. And Moses said, no. No. 
the Lord has already spoken. This is a done deal. There's no changing here. You've blown it. And the fate that awaits us is what was spoken to you yesterday. And they didn't believe, and they tried to go and take the land, and they found out that that wasn't going to work. They were defeated. What a sad day that must have been for Israel. What a sad realization that must have come over those people who made a mistake, and they saw now how much that mistake was going to cost them, and then they were sorry, but their sorrow was just too late. Sounds like Jacob and Esau, doesn't it? I sell you my birthright for a bowl of soup. I'm starving. Give me a bowl of soup. And, and he gets a bowl of soup. And oh, that just hit the spot. That was so good. Uh, what I just do? I sold you my birthright. For, wasn't worth it. And he repented. And he was sorrowful. But he never could get his birthright back. It was too late. How many people will be in hell? Knowing that they could have escaped hell, but they put off too long. They waited too long to do the right thing. I'm mindful of Luke 16 when the rich man and Lazarus die. And the angels come and take Lazarus to the bosom of Abraham. And the rich man, it says, opened his eyes and he was in torment. He was in flames. You know, Peter tells us that uh, when we die, and if we die in an unfaithful state, that not only will we face hell for eternity, but even that waiting for the day of judgment, it's a waiting that Peter says that we wait under punishment, not just for punishment, but we wait under punishment to the day of judgment. And so God starts punishing people immediately. They're punished under, waiting for that day of judgment. And so he wakes up, and he lifts up his eyes, and he's in torment. And he begins to, could you at least go and tell my brothers? I have five brothers on earth, and and they're going to end up being here too. And and I, I don't want this to happen to them. Could you go back and tell them? It, it was too late. He asked for mercy in this place. He said, if you could just send Lazarus just to dip his finger in water and let it drip on my tongue because I am tormented in this flame. I need mercy. He couldn't get that either. He waited too late. The time to do right is why we're here and when we're alive. And he waited just too long. it's how many people have attended church service after church service after church services? Christians and non-Christians. Christians who are harboring some sin, some pet sin they will not let loose of. It's a hidden thing from their brethren. They don't know about it. But it's something that, you know, I kind of enjoy. And and I'm going to just, I'm going to take care of this thing and and it's just going to be between... And we begin to harden our hearts and we don't care what God says about it. We're going to do it because we want to do it. How many people, Christian people, will die in rebellion to God, not fighting against sin, but embracing it and being lost because of it? When they knew what to do, but they waited too 
long. How many people will be lost who have sat in pews and heard hundreds, thousands of invitations to put on Christ in baptism and to become a child of His and to have their sins remitted by the blood of Jesus and the power of God. And and the day will come when they die or the Lord comes and they have never yet done it. Oh, I was planning on it. Oh, I knew better. I just didn't... There was... And, you know, and we can just do that. There are a thousand reasons, but we didn't. Will people be in hell because of that? Yeah. They just waited too late to do the right thing. And that's what the children of Israel did here. These 12 spies teach us valuable lessons. Ten of them teach us some lessons about faithfulness, faithlessness that we need to be reminded of. Two of them teach us some really important lessons about faithfulness. But we can learn from both. Learn what to do and what not to do. We learn how our influence for good or evil will affect others around us. Oftentimes, it affects the people we love the most, our families. We can learn that um, we can wait too long to do the right, right thing. And so I want to end on that thought and just ask this question. Are you right with God? Are you a Christian who has been harboring sin, not fighting against it? You've embraced it. And you've just kind of come to terms. You know, I'm a pretty good fella, except for I, I do this. And that's just, you know, that's the way I am. That's who I am. You're going to give up heaven for that whatever it is? What if you wait too long to say, I, I need prayer, I need forgiveness, I, I need strength to fight this, not embrace it? If you're here this morning and you've never obeyed the gospel, I know, hear the gospel, believe it, repent of my sins, be baptized, that adds me to the body of Christ. Yeah, I've heard that. I, I know it. If you know it, have you done it? And if you haven't, what if you wait too long? Not only will you deny yourself of heaven, but you'll deny the Lord of your service in His kingdom. Don't do either. If you need to respond to the invitation this morning, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.